0: to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Good judges this morning. Judges, chapter fifteen. We've been looking at the life of Samson and just seeing some very interesting things about Samson, uh, as he is the last judge recorded in the book of Judges uh, after verse number, or after chapter number sixteen. Uh, I think it's after chapter sixteen. Yes, after chapter sixteen, uh, the last four chapters in the book of Judges. Uh, are all during a time where there is no one uh, judging Israel, and we get some very interesting things. As we've looked at the life of Samson, we have seen uh, some very um, interesting character traits in Samson that I think we can relate to in ourselves. Uh, Hopefully we are learning from him and learning not to do some of the things that he's done. We're going to pick up in Judges chapter 15 and verse number 9. Actually, we'll, go, we'll start in verse number 7. The Bible says, And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I avenge, you, avenge of you, and after that will I cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah, and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, to do to him as he hath done to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went to the top of the rock, Edom, and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me yourselves, and they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hands, into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought up, brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his ha- bands loosed from his hands, from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called that place Ramath lehi And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised, but God clave an hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout, and when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived, wherefore he called the name thereof and Hecore, which is in Lehi unto this day, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. Let's pray, Father God, again, we love you. Thank you so much for the wonderful time last night, the time of fellowship and joy. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would continue to bless those times. I pray that you would guide us today as we get into your word, as we learn from the life of Samson. I pray that you would help us to see the places that need to be sharpened in our lives, those things that need to be changed so that we can follow you and walk with you uh, without fear, without hindrance, just serving you. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, Samson, after throwing his tantrum and uh, killing those 30 Philistines and leaving his wedding, last week Samson came back to take his wife and found out that she had been given to another, that uh, her father had thought that Samson hated her, didn't want anything to do with her, and gave her to one of his companions. And this again sent Samson into a tailspin. He uh, got angry and went and gathered the foxes together and burned the standing corn of the Philistines. And ultimately the thing that the Philistines had threatened Samson's wife and her father with so that she would find the riddle came to be as they retaliated and burnt her with fire. And now Samson has killed all of them. And the slate is clean and he's gone to the top of the rock, Edom. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Samson has killed all those that rose up against his wife and her father. and feels like he's avenged himself. And he is, in fact, on the top of the rock, Edom. But now, as we talked last week, violence begets more violence. And the Philistines are now gathered and pitched in Judah. And they're going to try and take Samson. I want, as we look at things today, we're not going to look as much at Samson, although there are some things with Samson that we need to look at. But I want to look at the children of Israel. Because the whole point of the judge was to lead the children of Israel back to God. The reason that God sent the judge was to deliver them from the Philistines, remove them from that tyranny, and bring them back to him. And we see a very interesting reaction as the Philistines arrive to take Samson. The men of Judah, knowing what has gone on, still fear the Philistines. They've seen Samson rise up, do these great things, these mighty feats of strength. And I believe they know exactly who Samson is by this point because 3,000 men of Judah go to get Samson. Not just one, not just two. 3,000 men gather themselves to go and get Samson and bring him down to the Philistines. How is it that Judah is more afraid of the Philistines than they are of the God? That they're supposed to serve. I think as they begin their interaction with Samson, the very first thing they see when they meet, or they say when they meet Samson, is, Knowest thou not that the Philistines have rule over us? Why are you poking the bear? Why are you making this worse on us? They're evil, they're hurting us, they rule over us. It reminds me of the book of Exodus. As Moses was raised up to bring e- Israel out of Egypt. And God had done all those amazing plagues. He, he, he had sent the flies and the frogs and turned the water into blood. And, and all of those things. And in all of those things he had, he had afflicted the Egyptians. And he had separated the Israelites. And, and, and then that last plague Where God himself comes down and just destroys the firstborn of all of Egypt. All those that were not in the house with the blood on the mantle, with the blood on the door. The firstborn of every house was destroyed. Moses speaks to God. The children of Israel know that Moses speaks to God. They know that Aaron speaks to God. And and Pharaoh finally realizes and, and Pharaoh sends them out. And the very first thing that happens is they come to the Red Sea. As they come to the Red Sea, they've just literally been given gold and silver and everything that they could ever need to leave Egypt. And they come to the Red Sea and their very first thing is they're blocked. And they turn around and they see Pharaoh's army coming after them as, Have you brought us out here to die where there are no graves in Egypt? And from that point on, miracle after miracle, God does. He, he gives the, the pillar of fire. He gives the pillar of the cloud for them to follow. He, he surrounds them with fire so that Pharaoh can't come in. And he parts the Red Sea so they can go across on dry ground. And then they come to the waters of Mira, And Moses sweetens the water. And, and the water from the rock. And all of the amazing things that happen as they travel through the wilderness. Yet at every turn, at every trial, at every stumbling stone, they want to turn and run back to Egypt. They want to turn and run back to those that whipped them, that forced them to build great idols to Pharaoh. Judah has not learned. Joshua took up after Moses because Moses wasn't allowed to enter, enter the promised land. Joshua led them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that is, was almost as good as the Garden of Eden. And all they had to do was step up and conquer the land, drive the inhabitants out that were wholly given over to idolatry that had no desire whatsoever to turn to God. God defeated Jericho. After a little hiccup, God defeated Ai. God defeated city after city after city. And then, even in the middle of God's deliverance, even in the middle of God's miracles, Israel turned around and went back. They made a deal with the inhabitants of the land. Yes, they were lied to. But they were lied to because they wanted to be. You remember the story, those, those men came and they put on old ratty dirty clothes and they put moldy bread in their saddles and they, they put their water in old wine bottles and, and they came and they, they claimed to be coming from afar off and, and Joshua without even questioning, without even seeking God's face made the deal with them and, and they were allowed to dwell with them. <clears throat> By the way, those men are going to come back here in a few chapters. And instead of driving them out of the land, the children of Israel allowed them to dwell with them. We've seen through the, the first part of the book of Judges that every time the children of Israel make a concession and allow those that are inhabiting the land to dwell with them, that Israel falls. They don't, the children of the land don't rise up to serve God. The children of Israel rise down, fall down to serve idols. And here, God is sending this deliverer, this man, the strongest man they've ever met, they've ever seen. This man that can do these mighty miracles, these great feats of strength. And their only reaction is, let's turn him over to the Philistines. Why wouldn't they get behind him and stand? Why wouldn't they get behind him and fight? Because they've become acclimated. There's an old saying uh, when you cook that the best way uh, that I've heard to cook lobster, to cook crab, things like that is to boil them alive. But they say you don't want to just throw them into boiling water because then they make an effort, every effort they can to climb out. They say instead the best way to do it is to put them in a pan of water that is room temperature, and then turn the heat up because as the water and the heat in the water grows, the heat in them grows, and it's not a shock, and they get acclimated. I, I have often dreamed of traveling to remote Alaska clear up in the Arctic Circle, just just to see land that very few people, if any, have ever seen, have ever touched. To see God's creation the way God created it. And, and I used to watch shows like Axemen and you know Alaska State Troopers and things like that. And, and uh, I was always in awe of some of the people that lived up there, and you see pictures and Guy with a big beard and it's just frozen solid, because he's been outside and working and and uh, you know it's negative forty or whatever. And how they don't freeze? They just survive. I couldn't just leave here and go do that immediately. I'd have to spend some time getting acclimated to the climate it would literally kill me to just go and do that. Israel has just gotten so acclimated with the Philistines that they're willing to turn over their deliverer, the very one that God sent to save them, to the world. Now, I believe that there are some things involved with Samson's life and the way that God brought Samson about that are a very clear picture of Christ. I don't believe that Samson himself will ever be a picture of Christ, but I believe that the way that God brought all of, brought him into the world, that the things that he was supposed to do, the reasons that God brought him in, and the timing that God used, the fact that Israel wasn't seeking a deliverer at this time. They weren't crying out to God. I believe that all of those point to Christ. And right here is a very clear picture that Israel doesn't want to be saved. We're continuing in the book of John and growing ever closer as we look at that last week leading up to the cross. We're growing ever closer to the cross To a time when even those that brought Him in crying Hosanna to the King are going to soon be crying crucify Him. They're going to very soon be choosing Rome over God. Why would they be more afraid of the Philistines than they are of God? I have to look, I have to ask myself, why am I more afraid of the world than I am of God? His grace, His mercy, His provision are shown to me every day. And yet, I still worry about the bills that are coming up. I still worry about doing exactly what He called me to do. I still worry about Diseases popping up Causing problems in our lives Or taking loved ones from us And I so often forget That the only reason those things are here Is because God loves us And he wants to show himself real in our lives Now we understand, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They messed up. And they brought sin into the rest of the world. Because of Adam and Eve, the farmers have to deal with the thorns and the thistles. and The crops not yielding what they're supposed to. Because of Adam and Eve, we have sickness and illness in this world. But the whole reason they were brought in was to drive Adam and Eve back to God. The whole reason that Adam and Eve were removed from the garden was to protect them so they wouldn't have to spend eternity in their sin to remove them from the tree of the knowledge or from the tree of life. So they wouldn't live for eternity in that sin and then to remove them from the very place of nothing but blessing and to drive them to their knees back to God. God wants to show His power through us, but we keep turning back to the Philistines. John chapter 9. John chapter 9 and verse number 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I mean, it's pretty simple right there. Christ said it. A man was born blind. Was born less in the eyes of all the rest of the world. Simply so that God's power could be shown through him. What about Job? Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. God allows Satan to put Job through the ringer. Takes everything that Job has, including his children. All of his wealth. Then he takes his health. But in all of this, Job sinned not with his mouth, nor charged God foolishly. Job chapter 2 and verse number 9. Then had said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, cursed God, and die? But he speaketh unto her or, but he said unto her thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh what shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil in all this did not job sin with his lips <coughs> what about job chapter one and verse number twenty after They had come and told him that all of his children were dead. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and whispered, or and worshipped, not whispered, he worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 12? We're in the church age, after all. We're not Israel. Job wasn't an Israelite. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. verse number 7 Paul the apostle writing to the Corinthians says and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Israel is willing to go and bind their champion, their deliverer, their judge, and turn him over. To the wicked Philistines. Christ is our champion. Our deliverer. If we're saved, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He indwells us. His job is to encourage us. His job is to reveal to us God's power, God's glory, God's word. How often do we bind him and stifle him with our worry and fear? But Samson, Samson in a rare moment, is worried about them. Verse number 13, or sorry, verse number 12. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines, And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that thou will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Samson allowed these men to bind him. After he made sure that they weren't going to kill him themselves. Because he didn't want to hurt them. He is after all an Israelite. Samson is going to go on to have a great victory here. As he's led to where the Philistines are, they shout against him and try to attack him. Now, I just have to point out, this army of the Philistines that's gathered is now attacking a man who is bound and cannot defend himself. Is that not a picture of what our world is today? You ever notice that? Those that are just visibly, purely evil in our world, they don't attack those that can defend themselves. Or if they do, they attack them when they're not aware. Very rarely do you see a murderer walk into a police precinct and open fire. Because everyone in that room is armed. Everyone in that building except for the, any prisoners that were there. No, if they go after the police, they go after them when they're sitting in their car having break, not paying attention and shoot them from behind. I, I follow a, a man that was a part of the L.A. SWAT team for many, many years. He was an instructor. Uh, he's a Christian. I've, I've had some very decent conversations with him. and uh, He has a, a ranch out in Montana, and he has people come out, and he teaches them the SWAT tactics that he learned that he taught for so many years. And he gives some some tips and advice for people as they're moving around their communities so that they're not going to fall victim. His biggest thing is, his biggest piece of advice, get off your phone and be aware of what's going on around you. If somebody's going to come up and rob you, They're going to wait till you're not paying attention. They're going to wait till you're in a dark place where you can't see what's going on. Or wait till you're distracted. The Philistines are going after a man who's bound, his hands are tied. But as soon as they cry out and try to take him, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson. He breaks the cords as if they were flax that's been burnt with fire. As if they were nothing. And he picks up the jawbone of an ass that's been rotting in the sun and just destroys them. Now, you know, those Philistines didn't come empty handed, they came with swords, they came with spears. They came ready to fight. God allowed Samson to use what was available. What was already there. If there is one positive thing that we can see in Samson's life. It's that God has already provided everything that we need. For every aspect of our life. We're just refusing to use it. Now, Samson, as he finishes killing the army of the Philistines, he uh, he does a little happy dance. Verse number sixteen. And Samson said, "With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men." And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called the place Ramoth Lehi. Samson's feeling pretty proud of himself. We continued on into verse 18. And he was sore thirst and called on the Lord. Oh, this is a first. Samson's actually going to speak to the Lord. But is it praise? Is it worship? Is it thanksgiving? No. He's whining because he's thirsty. He's whining because he had to put out some effort and now he's feeling the aftermath of that effort he's thirsty he says lord thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant okay he did say that the lord had given him the deliverance but then he says and now shall i die for thirst and fall into the hand of the into the hand of the uncircumcised He's saying, God, you allowed this, but you're making me suffer. He's blaming God because he's thirsty. I I used to think pretty highly of myself when I was younger. And... uh, my dad uh, roofed houses on the side and did other odd jobs for people and he would have me come and help. And I'd started to feel like I knew a lot, like I knew how to do what needed to be done. And he'd even started letting me lay some shingles and do some cutting. and I was getting pretty proud of myself and I, I remember asking him one time for a raise. Mm-hmm. He said, sure, I'll double your salary. And I thought, man, this is awesome. I'm going to be making a ton of money. Unfortunately, I went to public school and it took me a little while to realize that zero times anything is still zero. Dad was still telling me that if I was half the man that I thought I was, I'd be twice the man that I was. Samson had this brief moment, this brief encounter where he's actually seeking the Lord, and then we realize that he's only seeking the Lord because he wants something from him. I wish I could say that I get up at four in the morning and I spend hours in prayer every morning just talking to God. I wish I started reading the biography of the autobiography of George Mueller and I wish that I could say that I have his prayer life and his faith. But honestly the only time often that I seek God is when I've exhausted every human possibility and I'm buried over my head drowning in whatever trouble it is and I need Him to rescue me even though He's already provided the way for me to not be in that situation in the first place. Samson cast away that jawbone as soon as he was done with it. And then he demanded that God give him water. How often in our lives do we forget the great things that God does for us to the very next moment demand that he fix some trouble or trial in our life. Now chapter number 15 ends as most other stories of our judges have. Verse number 20 says, and and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. The only difference between Samson here and all the other judges we've looked at is all the other judges says, and he died and was buried. That's because there's still another chapter of story of Samson's life. But God wanted us to know at this point This highest point in Samson's life so far that he went on to judge Israel for 20 years. And we need to understand that as we start chapter 16 and look at the debauchery, the wickedness of Samson. His testing of God and everything that God does to punish him and God allows in his life to punish him. This all happened while he was judging Israel. This all happened as he was supposed to be the one leading Israel back to God. Matter of fact, most of this happens in the very last days of his life. So there's almost 20 years that's not recorded in Samson's life. Because for those 20 years, Samson didn't do anything worth God recording. When we we go out to the cemetery and we look at the headstones, we see a name. We see a date of birth and a date of death. And in between is that little hyphen. For the majority of people that have passed from this world, almost nobody knows what happened in that time between where that little hyphen is. Very few people have been able to To make such a significant difference in the world that the world has decided to record it for all of history. And out of those people, even fewer have people actually cared to investigate. All of those things are recorded in books. And this book, this King James Bible, is still the number one selling book in the world. But still, so few choose to actually look and see what it has to say. Today is the last Sunday in February. Starting in March, we have our uh, door knocking starting up again the second Saturday of every month. We're going to go out and try and cover this whole town, hopefully multiple times this year. For many in this community that might be the only interaction they have with any of us let's make them count but it starts today preparing our hearts preparing our minds as we talked about last night making sure that we know the way forwards and backwards. So that when those opportunities arrive and we have the questions that are asked, we don't stumble and stutter and fall on our words. So that we truly can give them their ticket to heaven and maybe change their life. Let's pray.